Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Okay, we're talking about Jesus. It's all about Jesus number six. Now, I know you're sitting there saying, I thought you said on Resurrection Sunday that was the last one. I did say that, and I thought that was true. But when I sat down to start thinking about this Sunday morning's message, as I said that, I just got done talking all about Jesus. Now, where am I going to go next, Lord? And I heard like a witness in my spirit saying, you've only just begun. Now I thought, was that Karen Carpenter? <laughs> I'm dating myself, aren't I? <clears throat> I have only just begun. Okay. All right. I got that. Where are we going from here? And on the inside of me was like, the resurrection wasn't the end of it all. It was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. He's alive. Conquer death, hell, and the grave for us. What does that mean to heaven? What does that mean to us? There's a lot to explore. But just to catch you up to date, because we missed last week, we had a guest speaker. We, we talked about the fact that God, the Father, had a dream. And that dream was for a family. It was interrupted by a fall. It took Jesus to come to redeem us from the fall. And then once he did that, the Father's dream could be realized in us. Whether Jew or Gentile, he made of twain one new man. And everyone who has accepted Christ, is born again, has now become officially a son or a daughter of the Most High God. So we are the Father's dream come true. We are his masterpiece. Isn't that wonderful to know? But then there's the family home, which of course is in the future. But we know there's going to be a family home. That's kind of summing the whole thing up. We said that Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. That means he's first and the last and everything in between. And this Bible is all about Jesus, and that's the title, all about Jesus. It's all about him. So, as we continue our study, this also popped into my head. Acts chapter 1, look at this, verses 9 through 11. This is after Jesus, of course, was resurrected, spoke to his disciples, told them to go and wait in Jerusalem, and so on. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you imagine that? And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, where would you be looking? Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Um, I don't know what their names were, but if you were there, wouldn't you say something like, He's not holding on to any helium balloons. And he's ascending. This isn't normal. Why are you looking up? Because I'm watching him ascend. My goodness. This same Jesus, they said, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So it hasn't ended. He's coming back. We're going to talk about that. He's coming back to this earth again. All right. Now, we just celebrated three of the first four spring feasts that the Jews practiced, right? You know what they are, remember? The Passover, 
unleavened bread, and the first fruits. After that comes Pentecost. Those are the first four spring feasts. Jesus fulfilled them all. The next feast to be celebrated is the fall feast. And the first fall feast is called the Feast of Trumpets. When the trumpet sounds. Now, you might be thinking, that's too difficult to understand. I'm going to make it as simple as I possibly can. If spring is here and fall is there, what's in between? Summer. So whenever I say time of the harvest, whenever I say time of the Gentiles, what am I saying? Summer. Okay. We know we're not in summer right now. In the natural. But we are in summer in the spiritual. Because you see, the first four feasts have already been done and fulfilled in Jesus. Even though Pentecost isn't here yet, Pentecost came 2,000 years ago. So it's behind us. We might celebrate the anniversary of Pentecost in upcoming weeks. But it's already been accomplished. Can you see that? So this year, June 21st marks the first day of summer. September 21st marks the last day of summer. In between is harvest. Harvest from June 21st to September 21st is harvest or the time of the Gentiles. And the time of the Gentiles will end when? When the trumpet sounds the first fall feast, the feast of trumpets. So let's read it. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which have a, are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord shall, himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort or encourage one another with these words. So what marks the last day of summer or harvest or the time of the Gentiles? The trumpet sound, which is the first fall feast, the feast of trumpets. Okay, so we understand then what we're talking about, right? All right, we're living in summertime right now. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 24, certain things have to take place before summer ends and fall begins, or the trumpet sounds. And until those things happen, Jesus can't return. So what did he say? And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into nations, into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Notice the time of the Gentiles is summer, right? Time of the harvest. Okay. So in other words, if someone were to say that Jesus can come back now, and that didn't happen yet, it's impossible. That had to be fulfilled before Jesus could come back. Okay, it's all about Jesus, remember? Now, in AD 70, under then-Captain Titus, who became Emperor Titus, Rome invaded or destroyed Israel and the temple and left it desolate. You could say Ichabod, when Jesus raised from the dead, the veil of the curtain was ripped and torn in two from top to bottom. The Shekinah glory left. 
Ichabod was written over the house of Israel in the temple, no longer in the Ark of the Covenant, right? Gone. And now in AD 70, it's burned down to the ground and everything in it. And so Israel and Jerusalem were conquered by Rome and all the people, the Jewish people, were scattered to the nations of the world, all around the world. That's what happened back then. So we know that that happened and that was one of the things that Jesus said would have to occur. Now we know that since then that Israel really is in a state of defilement. You see, Judaism cannot be practiced as it once was before the resurrection of Christ. Because there is no temple, because there is no veil to, to separate the holy place from the most holy place. There is no red heifer. There is, there is no high priest anymore. There's no priesthood anymore. As a matter of fact, they're now talking about just uh, teaching and educating priests to be in the office because they're going to go back and rebuild the temple. They're going to go back in the temple worship and all that. But that hasn't happened yet, and that won't last very long, but that's another subject. But the point is, they're in a state of defilement right now. So Judaism is in a state of defilement, and God's people are scattered around the whole world. So this had to happen. Secondly, before Jesus can return, we also see other things had to happen. Israel had to once again become a nation. They had to once again regain control over Jerusalem. And number three, they had to bring all the Jewish people back from the four corners of the world. So Jesus couldn't come back until that happened. Well, let's explore that. Look at Isaiah 66 and verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? That doesn't happen. Or shall a nation be born at once? That doesn't happen. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. That is prophetic of something that took place on May 14, 1948, when Israel in one day became a nation once again. When did that happen? May 14, 1948. That's when that happened. Miraculously, they became a nation once again after being dispersed for 2,000 years. Okay, secondly, besides that, they had to now, once again, reclaim Jerusalem and regain control over Jerusalem. 19 years after 1948, what happened was a six-day war was fought, and God defended Israel from six Islamic nations. Think about this, that gathered around their borders and they were going to finish what Hitler started. They weren't there for tea and crumpets. They were there to wipe off the memory of any Jewish person alive on planet Earth, completely destroy Israel, and remove the people. Extinct. That's why they gathered around all of Israel. Six Islamic nations. In a six-day war, God fought for his people and defeated all six nations. Not because Israel was so strong, but God fought on their behalf. Remember Exodus 14, 14, I will fight for you. And miraculously, what happened? They regained control of Jerusalem, and they have control of Jerusalem right now, which is why you can tour the Holy Land right now and go visit all the different places in the Holy Land right now. Okay, so we see that happened. All right. Third thing was what? All the people have got to come back to Jerusalem, to Israel, that were scattered around the world. We heard about that last week. It's called the Aliyah. Some say Aliyah. 
Doesn't matter how you say it. It's talking about where all they were scattered, wherever they went, all around the world, different nations of the world, from the north, south, and east, and west, they would come back to, to Israel, okay, the, their homeland. Look in the book of Isaiah 43, 5 through 7. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far, my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So this is God speaking, prophesying through Isaiah that one day the Jewish people are going to go back to the homeland from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. And guess what? If you were here last week, you heard a, a message about this. That's what's going on right now. And like never before, they're all going back to their homeland. You say, what's this got to do with Jesus? Everything in the world. Because you see, this is all setting the stage for Jesus to come back to the earth in the rapture of the church to take us out of here. So if someone would have said this could happen before all this happened in Israel, I'd have to say impossible. Because those things had to be fulfilled. And they have been fulfilled. And now, as we speak, are being fulfilled. So I want to say this to all of us, especially when you see the church in just a moment. We're not in June of summer. We're not even in July of summer. We're like September 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. I can just see Gabriel preparing himself to blow the horn. I can just see the white horse that Jesus will ride on being saddled, getting ready, praise God, to come back. Can you imagine that? Hmm. Glory be to God. We're close. Now, let's go to the church. The book of Ephesians, chapter 3. The history of the church. Because you see, not only is it Israel that, had, that has our concern, we have to watch what's going on in Israel, but also in the church. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, six verses. For this cause I, Paul, and who taught, Jesus, who taught Paul the gospel? More enthusiasm. Thank you. Why am I saying that? Because he want to destroy Jesus and Christianity. But he taught Paul the gospel. The prisoner of Jesus Christ for you, for you what? Gentiles. Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which has given me to you, word how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. Everybody say mystery. As I wrote a four and few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known. That's why it's a mystery unto the sons of men. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles, what they were living in, time of the Gentiles, time of the harvest, summer, should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Well, he is saying that this is a mystery. Why is it a mystery? Because it was something that wasn't revealed before. It was something that was hidden before. It was tucked away between Daniel's 69th and 70th week of his prophecy. You see, when the prophecy was declared and decreed, uh, a decree went out to rebuild Jerusalem and the wall back in the days of Nehemiah back then. 
when that decree went out, the prophecy was this. There'll be 490 years left before the consummation of all things. At the end of the 483rd year, the Messiah will be cut off. He will die. Well, 483 years after the decree, the Messiah was killed. He was cut off. Well, the next seven years should have been the wrapping up of the whole thing. But no, you see, something was hidden that was tucked away. No one else knew about this. It's called the church age or summer harvest. And what happened on the day of Pentecost, which is the birth of the church, somebody by the name of Peter was anointed and he preached the gospel in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So we see something, hap something happening here. The hidden thing was the church age. The mystery was the church age. So we put Jewish time on hold. God's not dealing with the Jew yet. Insert the church age. And what's our commission? Go into all the world and preach the good news. So the Gentile time, this is the time of the Gentiles. This is the time of the harvest. People are out there every, in every walk of life. They need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that he defeated hell and death, hell, and the grave. They need to hear that. Look at Matthew's gospel chapter 9 verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they, were, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into, into the harvest. So we're living in the time of the what? Harvest. Time of the Gentile time of the church age, what's Jesus concerned about? People, about their brokenheartedness, about being overcome with sickness and disease and torments. He wants them well, but he lifts up his eyes and he says, there's so many sick and suffering people that are out there in the world. I can't do this by myself. I need to send out labors into the harvest field. Well, the world is the harvest field. And look in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verses 15 through 20. He said to his disciples, he's speaking to his disciples, go into half of the world, go into all the world and preach what? The gospel to every creature. This is the harvest season. This is summertime. This is the time of the harvest. Go into all the world, preach the good news. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything, it won't hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. So after he had spoken these things unto them, he was received up into heaven and, and, and sat at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Okay, so now we have the commission of the church to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let me ask you this. Is that being done by Orthodox Jews? A little more enthusiasm. Why not? They, he came to his own and his own received him not. Right? So, so as you can see, in, in Romans also, you know, Paul, Paul made this declaration in Romans chapter 11. He says, as touching the gospel, it's the, the Jews are enemy to the gospel. 
Did you know that? Absolutely. They don't believe their that Jesus is their Messiah. So I'm just making that point just to let us all know here today that he's not dealing with the Jewish people right now. He's dealing with the church. And the church is to be proclaiming the good news of the gospel to all people groups of the world, no matter who they are. So whether you're even a Jewish person or a Gentile, you can come into the family of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to let everybody know that Jesus is Lord of all. So we're living in that time right now, and we've been commissioned to go do that. And in the process of doing that, look at what the gospel is all about. Jesus says, I've been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, set liberty to bruise, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, to let everybody know you don't have to be lost, to let everybody know there's a Savior, there's a Redeemer, there's a Healer, there's a Deliverer, there's a Financier, there's help for you, there's power for you. To let everybody know in the world, praise God, there's victory in this world in Christ. See, it's all about Christ. But he couldn't do that to the Jewish people. Why? Because they rejected him. So he raised up the Gentiles. And Gentiles supposed to be making the Jews jealous by their walk with God. And they're going to want what we have. Now, when I say they're in a state of defilement, that came from a Jewish rabbi. He said, we've been in a state of defilement for all these years. Because you see, they have no way to worship God. Okay. Having all, said all that, look at this, what Timothy, or what Paul wrote to Timothy. Remember, Jesus taught Paul the gospel and the good news. Now, Paul was told about the revelation of the church in the last days by the Spirit. John had a revelation in the book of Revelation about seven conditions, or you could say seven periods, as pertaining to the church or the church age. And in Revelations chapter 1 through 3, you could read the first three chapters, but chapter 2 and chapter 3, it begins with the church at Ephesus, which was a church that was really in love with Jesus. But then the church left their first love, and he rebuked them for leaving the first love. And he said, remember, repent, and redo. Remember that? So you'll find that in, Ephesians, or in, in the, the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. And you can read through the first three verses. But it ends in his admonition to the churches. The seven churches represent seven church ages. So in Asia Minor, you had these letters that were sent to all these churches, and they make like a circle. And they went from Ephesus all the way through to the last church, which was Laodicea. The Laodicean church age is called the lukewarm church. The last church age would be a lukewarm church. A church that would be comprised, let's say overall, of those that really kind of just settle for whatever. They've kind of lost that zeal for God and basically have an attitude that it's all about me, like a self-absorbed uh, people. And they would be surrounded by a culture that says, hey, everything goes. If someone wants to have this identity, let them have that identity. If someone wants to do this, let them do that. Don't go preaching down someone's neck. Don't say that they shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Don't say we can't uh, put this restriction on or that restriction. Don't say that we have to do this or that. And I'm being vague right now. And you know, if I was just to let go, you know what I'd be talking about right now, okay? All right? I love this one when the one fellow just said, hey, if I want to be, let's say, a Native American, I'm calling myself a Native American, I can use a Native American bathroom. But you're Caucasian. No, I think I'm a, I'm a Native American. Really? Think about that. 
We're, we're talking, these are people talking like this, really. So if you want to use that bathroom, you can use that bathroom. Just say what you are, a Native American. Okay. Brother Ben, come and stand next to me. How'd you get so short? It's in the jeans. It's in the jeans. I'm tall. <laughs> yes, you are. If you need help reaching anything in the top shelf, let me know. I will come get you. Because I'm tall. Yes, you are. Thank you. <laughs> Just say it. Just say it. And you got it. Well, how many know that that's not right? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 because this is a picture of the Laodicean church as described by the Spirit of the Apostle Paul. And I want to look at it carefully. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Mm. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Oh my, we could really, really meddle here. But notice here is the Holy Spirit saying some things that he will see in the last days. So when it comes to the church and when it comes to Israel, we see things have already unfolded. Things have already happened. And there is nothing left that can deter Jesus from coming. And that sound of the trumpet blasting so that the dead in Christ can rise and we can be caught up and taken away. But... It's important for us to know that in our culture, it's hard sometimes to identify these things because it sounds so religious and it sounds so right. They should be able to do what they want to do. They should be able to live how they want to live. As a matter of fact, even our government was trying to step in and just say they could redefine marriage and say what marriage is all about and forget about what God said. You know why? Do you know why man just, step, just steps in and kind of does what he wants to do with the things of God? Because there is no reverence or respect for this book right here. That's why. And you can talk to people about it. And they'll tell you. Well, you know what? I hold this book in the highest esteem. By, the, by reading this book, I've been saved by the grace of God. If it wasn't for a revelation of the word of Almighty God, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't know what's right and I wouldn't know what's wrong. Oh, you have a conscience and that can have part to play in it. But if your conscience is seared because you've not been taught the truth... Young people need to be taught the truth and the ways of God. They need to be taught to reverence God, taught to respect others, taught to make responsible choices and decisions in their lives. And if they're being attacked by demonic influences trying to tell them that their identity is not what it really is, then they need help. They need help that can only come from God. You know why? I will not deny the power that can change a human life. You know why? I believe that someone who might be a prostitute could become a law-abiding citizen because all she has to do is meet the Lord Jesus Christ and He will take her from the inside and He will clean her up and give her a new heart and a brand new life. You know why you could take a tax collector like Matt? Remember the tax collector? Zacchaeus, remember him? Who could change that life? 
Jesus. And what did he say he was going to do? Give back even more than what he took. Why? He met Jesus. The church needs to hear today. There is power to change a human life. We don't deny the power of Almighty God. And our young people that are warring with their identity, warring with this and warring with that, they need to hear the truth from the Word of God that, look, that's maybe what man will tell you, but I'm telling you what God says you are. God says you are His masterpiece. God says you are a more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. You are a child of the Most High God, a son or a daughter of the Most High God. I know there's a revelation that the church has filled a major in. You know what that is? Redemption. How do I know that? People walk around to keep on saying, even today, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I beg to differ with you. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Ephesians says you are His masterpiece. Your workmanship created in Him, in Christ Jesus, and in you is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know what? You know, we need to get there. Instead of studying all these things in the Bible, people fail to realize it's about Jesus, His accomplishments, and His achievements, and what He did when He made you a new creation. You are not the person that you were when you came to the cross when you came to the blood of Jesus Christ he took you from the inside out and changed you from the inside out he put himself in you his life in you his spirit in you you are a new creation all things have passed away and all things have become new you were saved by grace now you're the righteousness of God in Christ amen Luke 18 and verse 8 tells us something that Jesus is looking for when he comes here on the earth what is he going to be looking for when he comes to the earth I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? He's coming, but he's coming for people of faith. He's coming to find people with faith in what? Faith in what? You know, sometimes, I know I'm going to meddle. I'm probably going to get in trouble. Don't throw any rocks or stones at me. But sometimes what I put on some of those programs on TV, I know, you know, you watch them too. And I see a guy sitting there saying, this is the Jewish feast of whatever so-and-so. He said, and this is your window of opportunity that if you don't send me $25,000 in this between the hours of so-and-so and so-and-so, you will miss the double anointing opportunity that you're... I wish I could go through the tube in love and grab him by the scuff of the neck and just say, do you not know that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead, the firstborn among many brethren, and that we have the nature of Almighty God on the inside of us, and the anointing of God, praise God, is in every single born-again, spirit-filled child of God, and you've got the glory of God in an earthen vessel. We're told not to worship a day, not even think about a holy day or a holiday. We do that just to remember, for example, the Resurrection Day. We, we call it Easter, but we realize that. But we know it happened many years ago. We're not celebrating the day. We know He's alive and He's alive in us, praise God. Right? We know that. It's not religious, it's reality. And we've got the resurrected Christ on the inside of us. It's time that the church be educated and taught the truth of God's Word so that we can grow up in Him. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. This is the Apostle Paul. And who taught Paul the Gospel? Okay, here's what he says. And who was Paul? Saul of Tarsus, who wanted to eradicate Christianity, kill every Christian. I mean, remove them from the planet. And look at this change of events. Look what happens. He saw Christ and now he says these words. 
I am. It should be I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is saying, my faith is in the Son of God. My faith is in his accomplishments. My faith is in the fact I've been raised up together with him and I'm seated together with him in the high heavenly places. Is that not what Ephesians says? Has he raised you up out of the depths and darkness of sin? Has he lifted you up out of the miry clay? Has he taken you to him up there in glory? Are you seated with him in the high heavenly places? That's who we are. That's the revelation of the word of God that the church has failed to major in. And people out there today, once again, want people to go back under the law, study all these different things. Look at, we're not to be rooted in Judaism. I'm sorry. Look at, and look at the next verse. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, Amplified Bible. Judaism had its place. Judaism brought in the Messiah and Jesus has come. Why is it that we fail to realize that what he accomplished is greater than anything before? As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives and conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to him. Have your roots of your being firmly, deeply planted where? In him, fixed and founded where? In Him. Being continually built up where? In Him. Become increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith. Just as you were taught. And abandoning and abounding rather and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. See to it that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive by His so-called philosophy, intellectualism, and vain deceit. Idle fancies and plain nonsense following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world, just crude notions following the rudimentary and element, elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teaching of Christ the Messiah. For in Him, you ready for it? Buckle your seatbelt. In Him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature in Him. And you are in Him, made full and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Ghost and reach full spiritual stature and He is the head of all rule and authority and of every angelic principality and power. Man, did you hear that? Why hasn't the church been taught that? I'm just an old sinner, barely getting along, just dredging through life in the heat and the snow. I just don't know what to do, which way to go. You know, the devil's coming at me this way. The devil's coming at me that way. And I'll tell you what, my head's been hung low. I'm so depressed. I'm so down on life. Wake up. Lift up your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Because you see, you were taught that. And possibly even in church. But you know what? You're not just that sinner saved by grace. You're born again, blood washed, faith walking, tongue talking, armor bearing, love practicing, living epistle of the living Christ, known and read of all men. You're more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Praise God. You're a world overcomer by your faith. Now are we the sons and the daughters of the Most High God? Does not it appear what we shall be? John said it this way. But when he comes, we're going to see him as he is because we're just like him as he is. So are we in this world. Hallelujah. Glory be. Our roots are in him. This is what he's done. Now, if you can bear this one, we're almost done. Philippians chapter 3. New Living Translation. This is written by 
Paul. And Paul hated Christ. Paul wanted to eradicate Christianity and anyone who called on the name of Jesus, feed them to the lions, behead them, whatever. Stone Stephen to death, went into the uh, cities and villages on the Damascus Road to take men, women and children, throw them in jail, have them incarcerated, and then guilty of what? Def defecting and leaving Judaism and kill them. That's who wrote this. Are you ready for it? Let's really look at it the way he said it. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never got tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Who's he talking about? You can guess. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Who's it about? We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort. If anyone could indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it as all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached that perfection, but I press on to possess the, that perfection for which Christ Jesus his first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press to reach on to reach uh, the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. We're not talking about some uh, heretic out there. We're not someone who was against Judaism out there. This is someone who got saved by the grace of God because he saw the resurrected Christ who hated Christianity. And now he says, everything I learned before this is nothing but garbage. It can't even begin to compare to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why has the church been so inept? Because we have not been taught who we are and what we have in Christ. We've not been taught we have the glory of God in an earthen vessel. And we've not been taught how to release it. The spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in every single one of us. And we've not been taught the truth. Now this is Paul the Apostle saying these things. And let's bring it to a close looking in Colossians uh, chapter 1. 
there's so much more. He is, the, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, you and I, we were sometimes alienated and enemies in our minds by wicked works. But guess what? Yet now he's reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present you and me holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Say with me, I am holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in the Father's sight because of Jesus. See, not my performance, but his performance. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at this, verse 30, or verse 20, 30, okay. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. Say this with me. Jesus is my wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That's who he is. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory where in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or enticing words of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God and the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. You know, most believers, if you were to ask him, what has Jesus been made unto you? Would they know wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption? No, but they would know, but I'm just a worm and a dust trying to pray. Just to hope God to hear my prayer. Because the, I don't put the failure out there. I put the failure right here behind the pulpit. They're not being taught the truth. Or people want to go to church and spend two minutes in there, just a little homily, just get out the door. Do you know the pastor's responsibility as a shepherd is to feed the sheep? More than anything else, feed my sheep. Okay. Now, in conclusion, it's important for us to know that there's so much more to know about Jesus. It's beyond what we even have begun to understand or see. Jesus now is at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he has a ministry. His ministry has not ended just because he was raised from the dead. He sits there as the high priest, mediator, advocate, intercessor, and, and stand by, which means guarantee. Do you realize what that means? That means, let's for example say me. I'll use myself, Bill. I was a religious person before I came to Christ. I was religious, yes. I went through all kinds of religious rituals and all that. But I wasn't born again. I wasn't saved. I didn't know that I needed to be, but then I found out I needed to be. Well, because Jesus is at the Father's right hand, he sent the Holy Ghost to convict me. Because Jesus is at the Father's right hand as a high priest, he's there to represent me. His blood was on the altar for me. Because he's my mediator, he's my go-between. He's my advocate, he's standing in my corner. He's my intercessor, he's praying to see to it that I make a right choice and decision to accept him as my savior. And as my guarantee, he guarantees me this. The day I got on my knees in my closet, and I said, I confess I'm a sinner. And I said, I don't want to spend my eternity in a lake of fire. I said, God in heaven, I understand Jesus died for me and did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I'm asking him to come to my heart and save me by grace. To give me a new heart and a new life to make me your child. Guess what? 
as my guarantee. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the throne, before my father. And he said to the father, you see Bill down there? <laughs> you hear what he's saying? Father, he's confessing me as Lord of his life. Let's send the Holy Ghost into his spirit. Let's take that death out of his heart and give him a brand new life. Not baptize him in water, not do all, no, but let's get that ugliness called spiritual death out and let's make him a son of the most high God. And I was guaranteed... And guess what? He did. And when he did, I've not been the same ever since. I have found something better than candy, than pizza, than steak, than whatever you like. I, the highest high you could ever have. I know you think I'm crazy this morning. I'd rather be crazy for Jesus for the rest of my life than anything else in this world. He came in and saved me, gave me a new heart. And I know when I leave, I'm going to be with him in glory. Can you say amen? He's my guarantee. Jesus is my guarantee. Come on up here, praise and worship team. The church has not been taught the finished work of Jesus Christ. They think we just go to, we just go to church and be religious. That's all. Go on Christmas. Go on, on, on Easter. And maybe somewhere in between or whatever. But I'm telling you this morning, my brother and my sister, when you've got Jesus in your heart, you want to go every time the door is open. You want to go because you want to, not because you have to. You want to be among people of like precious faith. You want to walk with them. You want to talk with them. You want to believe God with them. You want to see God move and manifest His glory. And beloved, we are believing to see the glory of God fall in this place like we've never seen it before. Join together with us. Let's worship the Lord. We're going to pray for these prayer requests. We're going to give you a chance to accept Christ. But praise God. I know about you, but i got a fire in my bones that will not quit. And I want you to catch fire with me. I want you to go somewhere with me and burn. Let us burn together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's burn together. Consume with the fire of God. Hallelujah. So it's time for the church to get ready. Why? Because what time is it? It's rapture time. What time is it? It's trumpet time. He's going to blow that trumpet very soon. Get it right. Forgive like Christ forgave you. Love like Christ loved you. Do what he said he wants you to do. Give your life to him. Serve him. Walk with him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, go ahead. Give him a praise offering. Give him a praise offering. It's all about. 